Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. We're going to turn in the book of 1 Kings, uh, chapter 18 and verse 1. Chapter 18 and verse 1. And you can follow along with us with this message today on your church app, on the Victory Church app. If you haven't done so, I encourage you to download that and uh, follow along with us. All my note takers, all my history makers, all my world changers, come on, get ready to write some notes. And um, I do want to uh, put a disclaimer on this message today. Since Pastor Wigfield is here, and I, he would, Pastor David often quote him in saying this, it's amazing what you will say under the anointing. So I just want to give you that clear warning right now. This collection, and I say that because this collection of teaching uh, that we've been doing over the last couple weeks uh, called Troublemakers um, has potential to personally get me in some trouble. And um, I'm okay with that. But I want to give you this disclaimer because I'm an equal opportunity offender. If you look at the person on your right, I just might offend them. If you look at the person on the left, I might defend them. I might offend the person in front of them or the person behind them. I'm even offending myself. So I'm going to give it as I get it, if that's okay. The way the Lord gives it to me, I'm going to give it to you. And here's what I know about what the Lord does. He loves us, but because of his great love for us, he doesn't leave us. To ourself. Come on, he's ever making us and molding us and changing us and shaping us and breaking us and stripping us and humbling us. And you know, he's got us on that potter's wheel, as Ezekiel said, given that metaphor. And we're in a process of becoming a vessel of honor for the Lord. And um, this morning and throughout this collection of messages, it's been a very intense time. I feel like for me, even in my, just I'll let you take you into my study here real quick. Just come on in. Come on in. And uh, it's just kind of been pretty intense the way that the Lord has been dealing with me and the impact of what he's saying to me and regards to how it applies to you as a people, you as individuals, you as a church, but also us as the capital C church the big church, the global church. Um, And so this morning, I want to warn you in advance, uh, I may or may not offend you, but hey, you know what they say, as the old folks might say, if the shoe fits, wear it. Wear that shoe, okay? If it applies to you, wear it, because uh, God is not only in the ministry of comforting the afflicted, but he will also afflict the comforted, all right? So I've warned you, now pull your toes in, and don't you get mad at me. And if you do, you can send your email to PastorLynn at VictoryWinchester.com. And I'm sure he will pass it along. Um, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord... I'm going to read that again. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord of the Lord came to Elijah. 
in the third year, and it says in the third year, when we first meet Elijah, when he comes up on the scene, he's a prophet uh, of God. He speaks on behalf of God, and a prophet's job is to call people back to a place of faith and obedience to God's word. He's been called to call them to repentance, to prepare the way for the Lord. And this prophet Elijah, he had already come on the scene in the previous chapter in verse 17. He appears to a wicked king named Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who has led the country, the nation of Israel into idolatry. And who you have as leaders of your nation really does make a difference. So that's why you've got to participate in prayer and participate in your civic duty to get out um, and make a difference. Um, and so this uh, couple, this king and queen, had led Israel stray into the worship of Baal. And because they did that, Elijah steps on the scene and he says, The Lord has a word for you, Ahab. It is not going to rain in Israel for the, until I say so. It's not going to rain until I say so. And so that's the first time that he came and presented a message to Ahab. It was a message to repent, to get right, to get rid of Baal. And the Lord says, then the word of the Lord came to him. The scripture says in chapter 17, verse 2, and it says, go hide yourself. Is <laughs> one of the messages that word of the Lord that is not well received from the audience that you're giving it. And, uh, and so because of that, Elijah has hidden himself. And in verse 1 here, it says, after many days, it's actually uh, the, Lord, uh, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year of this famine, um, saying, go present yourself again, almost, is what he could be saying. Present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Rain was a symbol of God's blessing. It was a symbol of God's favor and God's provision. And so Elijah went. Somebody say obedience. The word of the Lord came, give him a message, and so Elijah went, right? And there was a severe famine in Samaria. Well, in the process of this chapter, I'm not going to read all the verses. You can go back and read it later. There's a man named Obadiah. He's not the prophet uh, in the the Old Testament, not that prophet, but another man of God who feared the Lord but worked in Ahab's government. And he comes to Elijah, Elijah, and Elijah says, I'm going to meet up with the king. We uh, read about this, and we're going to continue uh, the story in verse 15. Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. And so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? In other words, you're a troublemaker. And he answered, Elijah did, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. In that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. I don't know if I have this text, this passage up on the screen, but I want to also read to you from the Gospel of St. John, 
chapter 14 and verse 15. And this is what it says simply. This is Jesus speaking here and he says this. If, he's talking to his disciples, if you love me, obey my commandments. I want to teach and preach to you over this uh, next, the next moments we have together from this subject, the mark of a troublemaker, the mark of a troublemaker. Would you join me in prayer as you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Father, thank you for this beautiful day and this wonderful opportunity, this privilege to gather together here today uh, with your people, Lord, and your presence, and Lord, hear what you would have to say to us. Lord, thank you for your word and for the moments that we have to gather around it. And Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that as we gather around it, Lord, we wouldn't just be hearers of your words, but that we would receive it and we would obey your word. Lord, help what I say not be the words of a man, but let them be the words of God. We haven't come here to sing a song or attend a service, but we've come here to hear from heaven. So, Father, we thank you today for the way that you're speaking to us and for the lives that are going to be changed as a result of your word going forth in power. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you. Um, in my 20 years of ministry, I have never come to a place where I have more clarity, personal clarity, um, in what God is saying and what God wants me to stand for and what God would have us to do uh, than I have in the last few months. And I've also grown in my awareness of the moment that we have now in time, in history, um, of God's people's need for clarity. When it comes to what the scriptures say and how they can then interpret what the scriptures say and apply it to their lives in the culture in which we live. And then some of you may, that know me personally may have maybe even sensed uh, a certain amount of heaviness, maybe a certain amount of um, struggle that I've kind of been going through here recently because I've been in a battle. And maybe if you sense that, you know, and I didn't have to tell you that, you were right. Um, but it's not a battle that I'm running from. It's a battle that I'm more than willing to fight. Because you have to take a stand for something or you will fall for anything. And the scripture tells us that we don't battle, we don't fight, we don't war against flesh and blood. Mm. But against principalities and powers and the rulers of wickedness and people, uh, those in high places. Um, we fight a spiritual battle, but the spiritual battle takes place in the battlefield of the natural realm. And so everything that you see in the natural has already first and is already taking place in the spiritual. This is not something that is my opinion. This is the teaching of Scripture. And as these lanes of, there's different lanes of authority that I've talked to you guys about and as these different lanes of authority, there's scriptural authority, there's parental authority, there's workplace authority, and there's all these different lanes of authority in our world and in our life in, the, in which we live. Um, my role 
is to be a spiritual authority, to be your pastor, to speak the truth, the uncompromising, unashamed truth, the inerrant word of God. And I have to stand before God one day and give an account to whether I was faithful to preach the whole truth, the full truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? And so that's what I'm called to do. And uh, in our society, because those lanes of authority are being crossed into, and now they're, you know, coming into the spiritual authority lane, I've got to blow the horn. When you're driving down the road and some truck starts swerving in your lane, you start blowing that horn. Get out of my lane. And so I'm here today as a mouthpiece for the Lord to blow the horn and to stand up unapologetically, unashamedly, unwaveringly and boldly proclaim, thus saith the Lord as a prophet of old. And I believe this message today is very prophetic, and these series of messages are very prophetic. And so I'm going to try to do it with a smile on my face uh, in hopes that it will better be received. Um, But my goal today is not to make you feel good, but my goal today is to tell you the truth and to do it with a great sense of clarity. You know, in our society, things are rapidly changing and things are becoming increasingly blurred. What's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. And there's gray areas. And I just want to come and share with you the truth of the word of God. It's about some of these areas um, in our society that are potentially um, infringing upon uh, what we believe as kingdom citizens in the kingdom of God as followers of Jesus. Some of these issues uh, I want to talk on, such as life, such as marriage, male, female, education, family structure, parenting, sex, government, freedom. Somebody laugh because you don't hear that in church very much. Freedom, justice, equality, ethnicity and race, and there are ideologies, belief, values, and systems of thought uh, around these issues in our culture that are totally incompatible with the kingdom of Christ and his teachings. And I want to shed some light and bring some clarity as to what we believe as followers of Jesus who live to please God obey him, and honor his word. And so, in light of these realities this morning, I'm giving you permission to be a troublemaker. You might look at the person next to you and say, I'm already sitting next to one. They're an antagonizer. They're a pot stirrer. Come on, they rock the boat. Come on, they upset the apple cart. Man, they're always, you know, causing problems. And I want to stir you up today And I want to call you out and to call you forth as a troublemaker. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can have a license to be obnoxious, to be contentious, right? You know, the scripture says in Jude, contend to the faith that was once given to the saints. But just in contending for the faith, you don't have to be contentious. You know there's a difference, right? 
And so there's a way to stand up for truth in this fallen, broken, anti-God world in which we live. But here is the reality. If you're not creating at least a little trouble for Jesus, then you're probably not faithfully following Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was an unashamed troublemaker. He spoke the word in the best term of the word, right? He spoke the truth in a time in which the, the lines were blurred, in which, you know, there was questions, there was uh, people were, uh, participating in things and doing things that were ungodly. Elijah, we find out that he is a troublemaker, according to the text here today. We find that uh, throughout the New Testament that the followers of Jesus were indeed troublemakers, and they were troublemakers, and it cost them something, as they took a bold, consistent an unashamed stand for what was right and what was true, they had to pay the price of not being liked by others. Now, I know you want to be liked, and we all want to be liked, and we all want to be spoken well of, but the reality is that in this fallen world in which we live, those of us who point the direction to what God's truth says and stand upon what's right, oftentimes the culture is going to tell us that we are intolerable, that we are not loving, that we are bigots, that we are hateful, but the truth and reality of God is that those who speak the truth truth are those that actually love you the most. The scripture says to speak the truth in love and love. And so it's not the kisses of the enemy that you, and the words of flattery that you want to hear, but it's the words of truth that you don't just, you want to hear. You don't want to hear those, but you need to hear those words. Why? Because they point you in the right direction. And as believers, we should strive for peace, harmony, and reconciliation. But in this fallen and hostile world, that may not always be possible. Let me just break and bust your bubble now. Not everyone's going to like us, but the call to follow Jesus is to have the courage to obey God regardless of the consequences. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this. If you want to follow me, Jesus is saying... You must deny yourself, come on, take up your cross and follow me. The cross was the emblem, as the song says, of suffering and of shame and of death. It was the requirement to follow Jesus was to lay down your very life, your comforts, your conveniences, Come on, your time, your treasure, your talents, everything that you have, your very life, and the cost of following Jesus was to give everything. It wasn't casual. It wasn't half-hearted. It wasn't compromised. But it was giving everything and all that you are to follow Jesus. In fact, this is the cost of following Jesus. And they don't put this Come on, on mugs, they don't put this on, you don't put this on, I've, I've, I haven't seen this anywhere, on a Facebook post, come on, it, it, it's not on Instagram, come on, it says, Jesus said this, in fact, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and insult you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, Luke chapter 6, verse 23 to 23. 
Welcome to church. <laughs> Want to follow Jesus? Come on. And in this teaching collection, Troublemakers, we're learning how to step away from lukewarm, do-nothing, compromised, casual Christianity, and we're stepping away from that, and we're stepping into an on-fire, committed, devoted, um, uh, on-fire faith that upsets the status quo and makes an impact for Jesus. How many of y'all want to come along with me to be a troublemaker? Come on. All my troublemakers should have, you should have took that moment and said, yeah, I'm with you. And I can already tell from the on-ramp of this message today that I am not going to finish. Um, but I've got news, good news for you today. Uh, we can make this and extend this uh, message out. But this truth that I want to share with you from our text today from, for your consideration is this. The mark of a troublemaker, and if you're taking notes, or write this down. The mark of a troublemaker is manifested by an obedient life. The mark. The unique and distinguishable quality or characteristic is a mark. The mark of a troublemaker is manifested. In other words, it's made known, it's evidenced, you can see it, and you can see this mark of a troublemaker, and it's manifested through an obedient life. An obedient life. An obedient life. An obedient life is... When someone that is in a place, in a position of authority, tells you to do something and you are willing to do it and you are able and you actually do it. Because how many of you know a lot of people can talk the talk, come on, but unless you walk the walk, it's not really obedience to God. You can sign up, that's great, but if you don't show up, it makes no difference. That's why Jesus would say this. It's good if you know these things, he told his disciples, but blessed are you if you do them. Does you no good unless you actually obey? Because when you obey, that's when the blessing of God comes to your life. And so, Elijah, Elijah, going back to him, he was a troublemaker, and the first mark of a troublemaker that I want to talk to you about this morning, the first characteristic of a troublemaker is manifested by this. Listen, it's manifested by complete obedience. Complete. This means that God's, when God spoke to Elijah, he obeyed and he obeyed completely. He did exactly as the Lord had instructed him. He went when God spoke and he went where God told him to go. He went where God told him to go, and he went when God told him to go. This is complete, not incomplete, but complete obedience. And we try to offer God incomplete obedience. We want to pick and choose the things that are easy or the things that are comfortable, the things that we like or don't like, and, you know, we'll come to church, you know, but we won't raise our hands, or we'll follow Jesus, but we won't pick up our Bible and read it. Or maybe we'll go to a church event, but we won't invite others. Maybe we'll talk a good talk, but we won't walk the walk. We'll talk about how important and learn about how important it is to live a sacrificial serving life and to give generously, but we won't actually give generously. We'll tip God and not tithe to God. 
See, I'm stepping on toes already. <laughs> Ushers lock the door. But we try to compartmentalize. We try to negotiate. Come on, we try to pick and choose the things that we do um, to ease our conscience and say, yes, God, we're obeying you. At least I'm doing better than most. We try to compare ourselves. But listen, what God is expecting is obedience. And it's not just obedience, right, that, that, is, that is complete. Here's how it looks. This is what Elijah did. It was obedience that was without hesitation, and it was obedience that was without reservation. Watch this. Elijah said, I will surely, in other words, he said, I will certainly, I will certainly and definitely present myself to Ahab today. I will certainly do it today. No hesitation. Instant obedience. God is looking for instant obedience because delayed obedience is, dis- uh, is, is disobedience. We say, I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe sometime later. But God is looking not for incomplete, but complete obedience. And complete obedience is instant obedience. He stood before Ahab courageously and completely obedient to God. There was a man named Donald Barnhouse, and he was a Bible teacher. I read this story about how when he was um, uh, on the mission field, one of the missionaries told him this incredible story. He was in Z- the missionary was in Zaire, Af- uh, Africa, and he was there with his family. And the missionary was sitting on the porch, and his son was in the yard uh, in Africa playing. And as he was uh, playing... Um, the, the missionary was sitting on the porch, told him immediately, he said, son, I need you to obey me immediately. Drop down on your stomach right now. The, uns- this, the, the, the young son lay down on his stomach immediately. He said, now crawl to me as fast as you can. He began to crawl to him as fast as he can. He said, now stand up and run to me. He stand up and he ran to him and he grabbed him, his son, in his arms son looked and turned back around, and in the tree above where he was uh, playing was a large venomous snake. You see, instant obedience will save your life. Philip could have, his son, he was named Philip, he could have hesitated, and he could have asked, why do you want me to do that? Or he could have casually replied, in a minute. But instant obedience to God will save your life. And the mark of a troublemaker is manifested by complete obedience. It's not just instant, but listen to me, it's also uh, without reservation. It's without hesitation and without reservation, okay? We can't pick and choose the commands that we want to obey. Elijah said this, Elijah said this, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. And just so you know, that this is not a problem that was common just in Israel. This is a modern-day problem in that the spirit, the spiritual warfare surrounding Baal worship is still alive and well today. Baal was known as the Lord of the rain, the master of the waters that caused the earth to bear fruit. Listen, this is very, what I'm sharing with you right now is very prophetic because I'm going to share with you 
the spiritual warfare that surrounded the people of this day and that actually surrounds us even today as followers of Jesus because Baal, the spirit of Baal, spiritual warfare surrounding this spirit is alive and well today. He was the God who rode on the clouds, the Lord of the storms. That's why Elijah said this. He said, it's not going to rain. Ahab and Jezebel were practicing syncretism, which is basically when you take uh, religious truths and ideologies and all these things and you combine them with your ideology, the ideology of, and, and theology of Israel, and you try to combine those two schools of thought and religious belief. They thought that they could serve both Yahweh and Baal. In other words, they were taking a little bit of this compromise and they were taking a little bit of that and trying to mold them together in the worship of God. But God is not looking for partial obedience. He's looking for complete obedience. He's looking for his people to follow him wholeheartedly. And as such, this God Baal, the spirit of Baal, was he promised them fertility, fruitfulness, increase, gain, and prosperity. As the people of Israel entered into the promised land, they would need and they would invoke not God. They weren't invoking God's power and God's presence and God's provision. They weren't asking God for the rain, but they were asking Baal for the rain. And again, Baal represented prosperity and success. And in doing so, in worshiping Baal and yielding themselves to a culture of materialism a culture of success at the cost of faithfulness to God, they compromised their worship toward God. See, the mission of of Baal is to cause a people and a nation that has known God to stop knowing him. And then when they forget him, they forgot they ever knew him. Listen to me. Judges chapter 3, verse 7. It sounds like America today. Listen to what happens. Judges chapter 3, verse 7. They forgot their God and they served the Baals and the Ashrams. How could this happen? I want to share with you not just the mission, but the strategy of Baal. The strategy of Baal that's coming against our nation today. After the destruction of Israel by the Assyrians in 722 BC, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 15 through 16 explains how this happened. And they rejected his statutes, talking about the Lord, and the covenant that he had made with their fathers and the testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and they left all the commands of the Lord their God and made for themselves a molded image of two calves made of a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. Thus the strategy was this. Draw people, people away, separate them from the word of God, the laws of God, and the ways of God. In 1960s, early 1960s, this Baal spirit became more prevalent in the United States of America. What did they do? What did Baal do? Separate the word of God from the people of God. Let's take prayer out of the school. Let's take the teaching of scripture out of the school. Years later, just a few years later, we were advocating for full-on abortion we were getting away from the word of God. We began, we began being, becoming a prosperous, a more prosperous nation. But our ways were not pleasing to God. And so the strategy of Baal 
was to separate God's people from the word, the ways, and the ways of God, right? And so this is the same culture in which Elijah was in, in which he confronted Ahab and exposed the reality of this spirit and the power of this spirit. You see, today, we are in the same time. And so Elijah confronted not just Ahab. He didn't just confront Ahab and the wickedness of Ahab, but he also confronted the people of God. He came on, uh, on that day on the Mount, uh, Mount Carmel, and when you had the, uh, the showdowns, uh, showdown of the prophets of Baal, he said these words, he stood up before the people, and he asked them this question, and I present this to you today prophetically, and I'm asking you this question today. As, a, as Elijah confronted the people of God, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. God wants us to obey him completely without hesitation, without reservation. Secondly, the mark of a troublemaker is manifested by courageous obedience. And oftentimes we want to offer God obedience, right? That is uncontested. And so we try to say, God, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to church. I'm, I'm standing for what's truth, but yet we won't take a stand because we're afraid to lose a position. We're afraid to lose a friendship. Maybe we're afraid uh, to lose something that we hold valuable. But obedience to God is not only complete, it's also courageous. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that next week because we are out of time. I want to talk to you about the marks um, of a troublemaker, and they're manifested by complete obedience, courageous obedience in the life of Elijah, costly obedience, and compensated obedience. I'm going to end on a positive note, this message. Uh, but I wanted to bring some truth to you and kind of set the stage as to where I am individually and where we are as a church and bring some clarity as to what we believe in terms of where we are on the time scale or a time, the timetable of God's redemptive history. I believe that we are indeed living in the last days. The scripture says, when you see the signs of his coming, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. The sign of his coming is wars, rumors of wars, famine, sickness. And although these things have been taking place throughout the thousands of years since Jesus has, you know, died and proclaimed these prophecies, we see that the only prophecies that are left to be fulfilled are prophecies concerning the, uh, the abomination of desolation, which means all nations coming against Israel, coming against Israel and bringing worship um, to, the, to the false prophet and to the Antichrist. And so we see ourselves, we can see ourselves, if we look around, we can see that we are living in the last days, but that bears the question. If this spirit, this spiritual warfare is taking place in these last days, we have to find out what those spirits are, how they draw us away and separate us from God's word and his ways and his kingdom. 
And we also have to find out who God has called us to be in these last days. It takes courageous obedience. It takes complete obedience. It's costly obedience and it's compensated obedience. I believe that the Lord has given me a, prof- a prophetic word and prophetic insight. In Luke chapter 1, verse 17a, the scripture says that when John the Baptist had come, he came to prepare the way for the Lord, the first coming, the advent of Jesus. He came preaching a message of repentance, a message of obedience. And just as John came in his day as a forerunner to Jesus, God has called us to be forerunners of Jesus in the last days in which we live. He has called us to step out and step forward in the spirit and power of Elijah. The spirit and power of Elijah was the spirit of, it was the Holy Spirit. It was an unwavering faith and obedience, a courage to confront evil, a call to repentance to prepare for the coming of the Lord. This is the first advent that John stepped into. It's the spirit that John stepped into as a prophet in that day. And I believe that the Lord is raising up a people The Lord is raising up believers who in the spirit and power of Elijah will boldly confront evil and declare the truth of God's word in these last days. You want scriptural evidence for that? Not only is it talk about how we are the forerunner uh, for Christ was John in the day of mercy and grace as John came to preach. There's another one coming whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He comes Uh, bringing a message of grace and of truth. But in the last days in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, here's what it says about the spirit and power and the ministry of Elijah in the last days. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. It's not just a person, but it's a spirit and power that Elijah operated in which he is calling his people to walk in in these last days. And if we're going to walk into it, we're going to be labeled as a troublemaker. And the marks of these troublemakers is that we obey God completely. We courageously obey God. We give God our obedience even when it costs us everything. And also we give God our obedience knowing that it will be rewarded eventually. It'll be compensated. In other words, the Lord's saying, I got you. I got you. So I know this is an intense message today. And if today's your first day at Victory Church, welcome. We're glad to have you. And uh, hopefully you come back. (laughs) But um, it's a direction uh, that we've been heading over the last couple months. And I just want to ensure that I stand before God and that I can say, Lord, I was faithful um, to talk and to bring clarity in the truth of the word of God in the last days in which we live. So I want to pray for you as we dismiss today. If you would, could everybody just stand up on your feet with me this morning as we conclude? What we're going to do is, I know that I've gone a little bit long, but I want to give you an opportunity in response to this message today. God never speaks in that he doesn't require a response. And so maybe you are here today and you've kind of been half-hearted, wishy-washy. Maybe you've been casual in your commitment to Jesus. Maybe 
you've never even given your life to Christ and that's your next step. God is calling you. He's beckoning you. He's inviting you to take a next step in obedience to him on your faith journey. But as you consider taking this step, you have to count the cost. For there is a cost into following Jesus and it is your life. It's your life. You withhold nothing. When you come to Jesus, you give to him your all. And so this morning, I just wonder if there's anyone in this place today and knowing that your sins have separated you from God and your life is not right. And if you were to die and stand before the Lord today, if the Lord was to return today, you couldn't say confidently, Pastor Keith, I know that my sins have been forgiven. I know that I have been made right by Jesus. This is his invitation to you today. This is the message of his first coming. Don't wait until it's too late. For he is coming again. But he's coming the next time to execute judgment on the earth. He's coming next time to execute and to remove his enemies. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. So before it's too late, just as the Lord instructed Noah, there's an open door. There's a destruction. The, the bad news is that there is a judgment coming. But the good news is that the door is open. And you can walk into that door because of what Jesus has done for us. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Enter into the gate. Enter into the door. The door that leads you into eternal life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.